A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iCreeks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration delivery and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks, episode number 231. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City, and we have a special guest today, Joe Rhodes. Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi, so um, I'm Joe, uh, a developer here uh, in Atlanta. I've been working on a app uh, recently called Kite Compositor, and it's um, some animation and motion design app uh, for Mac. And it uh, came out about March of last year and uh, still going pretty well. Cool. So I actually think I had seen Kite Compositor before today, but I, I didn't remember it until um, I was looking at it to, to, to prepare for you being on the show. Uh, it looks it looks super cool. Um, why don't you? I, I, so I think we should probably explain what it is and what it's for. But I'd also like to know a little bit about the backstory. How did you come up with the idea, and why is it? Why did you make it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so yeah, Kite is a, a motion design app for Mac. So you can kind of think of other apps like uh, Adobe After Effects with like uh, the full timeline uh, editing UI and uh, Canvas in the center. Um, so Kite is very similar to that. It has that setup, um, but you can also kind of think of it as a little bit more uh, familiar as far as like Mac uh, apps go. Uh, but like uh, kind of like how Sketch is kind of laid out with your layers on the left and your inspector on the right, kind of like adopts that uh, that layout and familiarity and kind of pulls in more motion. Um, motion concepts from apps like After Effects, uh, other things uh, native to the Mac, stuff like uh, Quartz Composer in the past, uh, things that, that kind of that you could kind of do with that app. You can kind of sort of use Kite in that similar in a similar way. So maybe because I've had my head in mostly code lately, I don't really know any of those apps. Like who uses those apps? What are they for? Like why would you use one of those apps? Yeah, so... Um, Adobe After Effects, I know it was originally uh, kind of made as a video animation tool uh, for producing effects and uh, just, you know, recorded video. Uh, but lately it's been used a pretty good bit in like motion design and uh, UI interface um, motion design specifically. And you would use it, you see, you see people creating videos and mock-ups of uh, app UI and for mobile, desktop, and web. Um, and so people are using that tool to kind of design animation for uh, different platforms. Um, and that's that's what you would typically use for uh, After Effects and stuff like that. 
Okay, is that that's an Adobe product, the After Effects? Yeah, yeah, Adobe After Effects. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I think I think After Effects is an example of a tool that is, you know, if you're using it for prototyping, you're not really using it for what it was designed for. It's um, it's a motion graphics package, but it's used for film, you know, making special effects and that kind of thing. Film motion graphics. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. I know my brother is a is a um, video guy, and he uses After Effects extensively, and he's definitely not doing app app UI stuff. <laughs> yeah. So what makes Kite Compositor better? If people were already using After Effects, why come out with a, a new app? Uh, yes, so I kind of, uh, you can kind of liken it to like, so people were using Photoshop to make UI designs, and then they moved to an app like Sketch, which is kind of a pared down, has more, uh, a similar feature set, and kind of tailor-made for UI design and screen design. Um, that's kind of what Kite was heading towards, just kind of like, uh, like a, a sketch version of After Effects where you don't need all the video editing stuff per se. Like you don't need a lot of the things that come along with that, but you just need to be able to design UIs and design, you know, motion between those, have some effects that you can add that are native to the platform, some like the filters and stuff like that. Uh, and just kind of just reimagine like a, a simpler interface to do do motion design. Well, I'm a big fan of the idea of having apps that are, uh, you know, designed to enable the exact kind of workflow and solutions to problems that the that users actually have. And um, I think it's pretty cool to find where users obviously have a need and end up using some tool that's not really actually that well suited to what they're doing. And so you make something that is really well suited to what they're doing. Yeah, it's 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 kind of well suited because it's actually based on the platform. It runs on the platform graphics engine. It's kind of underpinning Mac OS and iOS. I know people have probably heard of the core animation. You know, listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of core animation, all the animation primitives that are kind of used underneath, like layers and timing and animation and stuff like that. And so it kind of harnesses the system-provided animation engine to let you design kind of with those primitives. And so if you're designing with a tool that's native to the platform, you can kind of get true to life experience of what, you know, when you actually do write the code, you know, all your animations and timing and uh, curves are going to kind of look as you design them in the, in the tool because it's actually using the same APIs as your apps will use when they're running. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to talk um, probably a little later on about uh, some of the some of the stuff that's gone into implementing this, because if you look at it, it's very obviously a, a real good native Mac app, which is my favorite kind of app. And uh, so I'd, lo- I'd love to talk about that, but I kind of think it would be interesting to talk about what the average workflow looks like for somebody that's using this. And maybe because most of our audience is developers, it would be good to talk about how developers that are maybe not, you know, uh, they're not designers um, can work, can use this or how designers and developers can collaborate using it. Um, because it seems like it's a an app that really sort of sort of straddles both fields, where it's it's about doing motion design, but it's obviously a tool for people who are actually writing apps. Yeah, that's true. So, like uh, like you're saying, a designer could design something in Kite and you know tweak the animation curves, the timing when things start and stop, um, this you know speeds and everything like that. And then kind of put something together that like, you know, the screen should 
looks like this when it animates in and these these pieces should you know be at this place at this time at this particular time and have this animation curve and just kind of tweak everything how they want uh, how they want it to look and a developer could take that same file, that same kite file. So you save it as a, you know, just a normal file on, on your desktop, and they could take that same file and look at all these animation objects that they've created, so the timing curves and you know numbers and inspector, and kind of use those exact values when they go to translate that that motion information or that motion design to actual code. So it's kind of a, it's kind of an easy way to design natively on the platform and kind of pull that those values directly over into code. No, that's 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 really cool because a lot of times like I'll work with a designer and I'll get something from like Zeppelin, which shows everything where it's supposed to be laid out, but there's no animation at all. And usually if there is some kind of animation, they've mocked it up with something like Envision, which doesn't really tell you what the value should be and you're kind of kind of guessing at what they want or i've gotten things in like some weird javascript animation format and let's do it like that and i don't know what to do with this um but this, this sounds like a really cool way to get a file from your designer and with the actual values that you want to put in because i spent a lot of time like trying this one value to look kind of close and you know with compile times the way they are right now that's a really time consuming process so this seems like a way to really streamline like actually from the designer standpoint, they can kind of dial in their their process, what they want to see, and you can just take that file and you know code up the, the solution and drop in the numbers and it looks like it'll just work. Is that does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the the dream, right? Is yeah, so your designer can design it all and kind of get everything kind of in place and all the numbers you need are just right there in the inspector. You can look at each object and um, you know, piece out what you need, what should be a view, what should, you know, coalesce into multiple layers. You can kind of, the, the developer can kind of do that that part on their side to, you know, know what makes sense for the structure of their application. Um, because there is kind of a distinction. So, like, you can design full screens in Kite, like a, you know, full prototype, but that's not exactly what you would want. You don't want a full screen of layers on your screen unless you're making, like, a, you know, full immersive game or something like that. Uh, so you want to like chop these up into views and um, you know organize them in a way that makes sense uh, for your architecture. Uh, that, that's that's one way. Uh, but then there's also like you're just designing a, a designing a, like a small like micro animation like a like like examples like an emoji or a loading spinner or you know something that's going to be all encapsulated into itself. Um, you can actually there's a feature in Kite where you can just actually just generate the core animation code straight from the canvas. Similar to like if you've seen like a paint code app where it generates the code for uh, your core graphics drawings that you can make. Uh, this is similar. It generates the core animation code for you. So if it's something small like and fully uh, you know fully isolated like a like an, like an animated emoji or loading spinner or like an explainer animation or something like that, uh, it, that's another way to just pull in the values just all at once. So I'm actually playing around with the app a little bit right now, and it's really cool. Right-click and, and do generate code, and you get code. Swift. Yeah, yeah, code. You can, uh, you can do Swift uh, and Objective-C. So for both uh, Mac and iOS, there's slight differences there. So um, you just need to target what platform you're, you're working on. Yeah, that's super cool. When you're animating, you can do things 
I mean, you've already been saying this, but you can do things like um, select the the uh, animation type, which I assume corresponds to the actual subclasses of CA animation that are on the platform, and you can you know choose interpolation curves that are that correspond to the built-in ones, and you know ease in, ease out, and all of that stuff. That's pretty cool. So, what's the experience for a designer? Like, are they are there a lot of designers using this app, or like? developers like saying please use this how does that work uh, from my experience yeah there is a pretty good pretty big interest from designers uh in using it uh like i said like i've got a lot of feedback from people that are looking for something that's just a little bit more simple uh than after effects more like a, a sketch than a than a full-blown like photoshop um and they've used it um it's um they do. They do have like feedback where you know maybe there's places in, in in some places in the app where it's maybe a little too close to the metal. You know, it's a little too on, uh, you know, close to the core animation framework where you're actually tweaking. You know, things to be brought up a level where it's more more of a high level action. But um, that's kind of the stuff I'm working on in the app is just making it more like smoothing out the corners and uh, making it easier to perform more complex actions. Uh, and designs and stuff like that in the app, but yeah, I, I do get a lot of feedback from designers, and they do seem to, you know, like the app and like like the direction it's going. Um, so the, I this is uh, clearly not a simple app. It's got a lot in it, and it's a you know it's a Mac app, so it's full of functionality. And I I wonder how long you worked on it for 1.0. A pretty good while. Like it it, it definitely took. A good bit. I, I've actually. It, it didn't take as long as I initially thought because I had a lot of just uh, like throwaway ideas that I've built, you know, from years and years past. Where like, uh, you know, an app with a canvas and a sidebar and inspector, and I've I've done a few of these just like messing around. And this was kind of the first run of like pulling it all into one and making it a real product. Um, so I can't. Hard to say how. Uh, long as I, I, you know, taking code from a lot, a lot of those old projects where like I had like a really good inspector in one project, I had a really good uh, like layer list thing and canvas interaction in one other project. Um, yeah, it is it's hard to hard to hard to know for sure, but uh, it, it definitely took a while because like like you said, there's a lot of like intricate kind of like little details that you would need to make make it a Mac app and make it feel right on the Mac and trying to get all those right does take some time and definitely tried to, you know, cross all the T's there and try not to, uh, you know, do everything that I need to. <laughs> so did you have a, a job while you're doing this? Did you do this on the side or was this a full-time thing for you? Uh, no, this, this is um, a full-time thing. Uh, so I, previously I had, I left a position. I was, I was actually working at Apple. Um, uh, in the Cupertino office and moved back to Atlanta. I uh, want to be back here in Georgia. And uh, after that, uh, you know, after leaving, I, I kind of, this is where that idea came in and, you know, I had all these back projects that, you know, I had, you know, all this stuff that I was thinking about and uh, just seeing how kind of a lot of the other apps in this space and the design space and just kind of sparked the idea to start working on it. And yeah, it all came together. <laughs> So you start. You told the corporate world to take a hike, and you started working on this app, and that's, that's uh, pretty cool. 
Yeah, kind of like that. It, 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 you just, you know, when you're, you just have these things like in your mind that you, you know, you think about all the time and you're just like, oh, you know, if I did something, it would look like this or I, I would do that like this. And you always kind of want to have your own kind of thing that you can kind of put all your effort into and, and make something that's kind of like uniquely of your design and just something I've never had the chance to do before is, you know, fully come out with, uh, you know, a, a product that you could kind of put your own mark on. So it's cool to, cool to get all that together. Okay. So you're, you're hacking away on this app, you know, during your regular type work days, so you're not doing any, any money income, you know, any money coming in. Uh, like at this point, when you're working on this app, like what are you doing to like validate that people like want the app? Are you flying blind? Are you talking to people? Like how, how do you validate the idea while you're actually building it, building it? Um, kind of just on my own kind of volition, like, like what I think, what I would want, you know, I was kind of making an app for somewhat for myself. Um, just cause in the past I've, I've definitely like kind of like straddled on both sides of designing and developing. I remember, um, a long time ago, like feeling I had to like choose one of them, you know, coming out of like high school, you're like, Oh, I really like, I really like messing around in Photoshop or really like, uh, making websites and designing websites and stuff like that. But I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know why it came down. I feel like you had like choose, like, you know, am I going to be a developer or a designer? So I kind of went the computer science route in college and, um, uh, continued on from there. But I, so I, in, in that sense, I, I, I knew about this, like, I, I like design. I like design apps, uh, and apps that help you, you know, do more. And I just, um, didn't see the. I, I saw the full potential of, of an app like this just from using the core animation framework and how uh, animation and timing and stuff like that was kind of just built into the system. And so, having that all together, I just built the app that I wanted to use. That I wanted to, you know, I wanted I wanted to sketch for like motion, and I wanted, you know, something that would that let me easily design. Uh, motion where I wouldn't have to jump into a full-blown After Effects or something. So I uh, kind of just built it, uh, tailored to my needs, and um, just kind of went from there. That's, that's kind of how I <laughs> came up and validated these ideas, I guess. Okay, so you were you, you had a need for this app, and you were scratching your own itch, so you knew what you wanted to see in a tool, and you just went and built it. Right, right. I, I, I just, it, and it almost kind of, it's funny is because it almost kind of wrote itself where like you can just imagine like, all right, I want something that's kind of like sketch, but has like motion. So I need like a timeline and all right, I, uh, core animation has all these pieces here together. So um, it has time and then there's these layer types. So maybe I'll make that. In fact, you can drag off each of these layer types and uh, there's, you can know, you can add like, blur filters and kind of all these other cool effects. So I have that in the effects part of the app or, uh, and, and the filters palette there. So it's kind of like, you just kind of look at and see what's around you and say, Oh, uh, you know, I could, all this would come together and it would kind of almost make a, a derivative after effects, you know, simplified version. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted. So it just kind of all came together just as you, as you just kind of look around that ecosystem of APIs and stuff available to you on the Mac. Very cool. So when you, you're done with the app, you've coded it up, like how did how did you launch it? Um, yeah, so I think it was back in March of 
uh, last year when it launched. Um, so yeah, it was, it was getting close to like when I was going to launch it. Um, I, uh, kind of got in touch with a few people that I knew used like prototyping apps and motion design apps and let them see it. Uh, I gave it a few, gave it, gave it a few people and just kind of got their feedback on it and kind of just did my fast, like last little, um, just tying up loose ends and stuff and, you know, putting the web page together and created like a, a small video for it, things like that. And, you know, on just, just one day, you know, you, you, you have everything together. You have the way you have your web page, you have your purchasing flow, you know, all that's working. And, uh, the, the few people I gave it to were kind of enough to, uh, you know, tweet and tell their followers about it and stuff like that. So kind of like it, it got out pretty, pretty quickly and it, it went up on product hunt and a few other places where people just kind of recognized and, uh, first came to know the app and stuff like that. So it was pretty, uh, pretty low. I guess low budget <laughs> as far as how it all launched. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a 7-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash ifreaks. That's cool. I mean, you talk about, like, the small web page you did, but I'm on the site right now and I'm watching all the different animations and like there's, you know, a JavaScript app doing with like, it looks like an iPhone. It, the animations look like an iPhone and showing some map stuff and some animations and some weird, you know, so all these really cool effects. And so it's pretty, it's a pretty cool website for sure. It is, it's, you know, it looks like the Apple weather app with uh, the rain coming down. And so there's a lot of stuff on here. So there's a yeah. little more work involved with what you've been doing promoting than you just you just mentioned, but it's it's cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Those are a lot of the uh, those are a lot of examples that you can find in the the template chooser of the app if you uh, when you download the app. And that's kind of some of the things that were kind of like helping drive what I needed to do next in the app. So I'll like during the when I was making it, I would I would create kind of a small prototype and kind of see how far it would get. I'm like, oh well. I, you know, I can do like 50% of this, this design of like Apple's weather app. So, uh, but you know, I'll really need the emitter to have all the rain and, you know, get that part of the, that part of the, uh, animation to like really look like it does, you know, on the phone. So I would just, I would see things or, um, be, be designing and hit, hit like a roadblock and say, like, Oh, I need this piece. And that kind of like making those, uh, examples that you see on the website kind of helped me flesh out the app to you know be something that's actually usable okay very cool so andrew you had some tech questions yeah i do have some tech questions um well but one thing tech. one thing i want to touch on that i don't know if we've really touched on yet is that i think you've got a pretty um full-featured scripting system in here so you can actually write code to to control animations in kite compositor is that true 
Yeah, that's right. So you can like attach a script to any kind of layer. And uh, during the presentation, like when you run your animation, uh, you can interactively add layers and tweak animations and pretty much do anything you want to in this kind of DOM of layers that are running uh, live. Yeah. Uh, what, what, how do you do that? What language did you, um, I think I know the answer already, <laughs> but what language did you <laughs> use to do that? Yeah. So that was, that was kind of like one of these other things. So if you, when I was looking around at the Apple ecosystem and I was like, well, I need a, a scripting language. Well, Apple provides you uh, the JavaScript core libraries to use in your app, to add scriptability to your app. So I took that and ran with it. So you can use JavaScript, just plain vanilla JavaScript um, in the app to, uh, like I was saying, add layers, tweak layers, tweak values, uh, respond to uh, interactions so like mouse clicks, taps, stuff like that. Um, and it's just kind of a simple way to add scriptability to pieces of the app and really let you do some really complex animations that you and designs that you otherwise probably, you know, uh, wouldn't be able to do. So it's, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool feature. What happens when you do that in your animations in Kite Compositor and then you want to generate code for your, for your actual app? Yeah. So the, the scriptability stuff doesn't come over at all. So like if, if, if you add like nuanced scripts and logic and stuff like that, like none of that comes over in the, the code. The code is uh, just what you see on the canvas translated uh, to Coordination code. Um, so none, none, of, none of that will get translated over. Okay, so you just have to rewrite it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's if you have, it's that's I guess you're, if you're going for like a more like sophisticated prototype, you would add the code there, but. Um, and none of that comes over when you generate code from just the canvas. Well, that seems seems pretty fair. That's a pretty tall order to convert JavaScript into, you know, into Swift that's running in the in in the native code. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is that there is the option of you know you set up your own JavaScript context in your and on your side of the thing, and then you could you know add all the uh, the necessary boilerplate to get all that running, and then execute your own script, you know, line by line, like you had it, but that that would add a lot to the actual framework. So, um, uh, I didn't want to, didn't want to add all that boilerplate there for everybody. If somebody, um, you know, if somebody wanted to build an app like this, not, not that I'm encouraging people to compete with you, but it's, it's actually just a pretty impressive Mac app, um, in sort of the same vein as a lot of my favorite Mac apps. Uh, I, you know, what, what, what kinds of technologies did you use? How did you learn how to do this? And, and working, uh, I worked at Apple for five years, I guess is a valid answer, but I'm looking for something a little more granular. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely have the background in like doing desktop apps, uh, on the Mac. Um, I guess it, it really helps to like understand all the like graphics technologies that the Mac has. So knowing about how those kind of Work interoperate has been uh, super helpful. Um, I I used a lot of um, a lot of, I, just basically like Apple developer uh, developer page uh, sample code and uh, API uh, documentation. That's is, that's all super helpful. Like they have actually 
a very nice and generous amount of core innovation sample code that you can download and kind of look and see how things are built and uh, learning about all that. All the WWC sessions are very like packed full of, especially all, some of the older ones are packed full of core innovation stuff that's really interesting to, to watch and see how the framework progressed and stuff like that. And, and beyond that, like it, it, it does use a, a lot of, a lot of the technology, so like AV Foundation for doing the screen recording. So if you want to record your screen when you're uh, doing a proto, uh, running your prototype, um, some chords for c custom drawing. Uh, yeah, just it's it, it it's a, it's a lot there, but it, it, yeah, just knowing having that background and being able to like go find on Apple's developer site where you need to kind of search or where you, what APIs would link to other APIs has been huge, uh, huge help. So I have a question. So Andrew mentioned that part of what, what Kite Compositor does for you is like after you wire up your animations and you chain them together, you can actually get source code emitted for that and you can drop that into your app. How, how did you do that? Uh, yeah, so the source generation is, um, it was, I don't want to say fairly straightforward, but it was, um, since I kept the app fairly close to uh, what you could do in core animation, like uh, most everything mapped over pretty well to actually generating the code. So, um, if, if, so your layer list on the left, if you just have nothing selected and you generate code uh, you click the generate code button. It'll generate code for all of your layers in your document, and pretty much what that does, it just it kind of walks through that uh, hierarchical tree of layers there, and um, you know one by one finds you know comes up with the actual code that it needs to output to get the exact the exact design that you have on the canvas. So it's kind of like a one to one mapping. So if you changed uh, your layer to be, you know, 375 by 64 or points. We would just map that into straight into code, and it's kind of a, you know, almost a one-to-one -one comparison on a lot of the the uh, inspector values. Okay, would you say it's fair that each type of control you have just has a template of code that you can just drop in? So you get your Objective C version, your Swift version, and you're just dropping in new values for that. Yeah, I love there's a lot of code reuse by just having kind of like code builder files where you know i could subclass the you know the generic one and have a, a swift one and i have an objective c one and you know they're obviously gonna the syntax gonna be slightly different on those but uh so yeah maybe like a high level class i just need to call generate code on this thing whatever it is and the polymorphism would take care of you know which one is it should i generate the objective c code or the swift code and uh from there it's just pretty straightforward conversion from CA layers, uh, CA animations, stuff like that. Okay. What language was the, the app written in? Um, most, mostly in Objective-C. Um, that's what I was most familiar with. Uh, and then now I would say it's probably like 30% Swift. I'm using more and more Swift uh, where, I, where I can. Uh, pretty much all the new stuff is in Swift just because I feel like it's... Uh, Feels like it's just be able to move faster. Um, feels more a little more safe to me. 
uh, even coming from just a long, long history of using Objective C and loving it, uh, just I, I feel the, I feel the swift, um, swift bandwagon. I don't know. It, it, it's starting to feel more and more uh, like at home to me. You know. So. <laughs> so, which parts of the app go well with Objective C, and which parts for Swift? Um, it, you know, it kind of. I don't know if there's one, there's, it's kind of spread all out. So like some of the, so each of the inspectors were kind of like a different class and it just depends on, um, you know, when I got around to writing that inspector, if I wanted to branch out into some Swift at the time when I was first learning Swift. So uh, a lot of stuff is like just mixed and matched in the early, uh, when I was early, uh, early, early beginning making it. Um, but a lot of the main pieces, like the like the the canvas view you see is Objective C. Um, anywhere that I would have to like interop with OpenGL, some at, at some points or Objective C, just because it was easier at the time. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, for other thing other than that, just it's kind of all spread out. Uh, the, the different thing is, uh, so when I wrote the iOS version, just the, the player app, the app that you can run on your you know, I, iPad or iPhone, that's all in Swift. I decided to give it a go and try to go all Swift with that one, and that, that app is uh, completely Swift. Okay. Now, does Xcode handle projects with both better than it did like a year or two ago, last time I worked with a big, large project with heavy Objective-C and Swift, where just debugging just broke? Pretty much all the time. Is that still working? Or is that not working? Or is it is it working better? Uh, yeah, I would say it's working better. Um, yeah, you're definitely right. Where early on it was it was kind of touch and go there. Where you know, it's still sometimes you you po an ob a Swift object and it has to think about it for a while before it it, it knows what to uh, output. Whereas when you're in Objective C, it's 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 still lightning fast. Uh, I don't know, somehow that I not caught up yet, but the interop has definitely gotten a lot better where you can have things specified nullability and some of the lightweight generic stuff allows your Swift code to talk to Objective-C uh, in a way that just feels more Swifty and natural when, when you're working on the Swift side. And um, the Objective-C talking to Swift stuff, uh, I, it's not often I have to go that direction uh, too much, but there are some cases where you know you you can't use a super or more advanced uh, Swift API or Swift language construct just because you want to stay, just because you want to keep things Objective C friendly. <laughs> so that there's still some things like that where like advanced struct features and stuff like that in Swift aren't available in Objective C. So I've been working on, I'm working on. One project that's a hundred percent still well, it's a new project that's a hundred percent Objective C. Another project that's all Swift, and then I've got a project that's some of both. And uh, I don't know. There are times when the Objective C one it seems like the easiest to work on, just because of the debugger being so much faster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'm curious to know uh, if somebody wants to use Kite Compositor. It's a it's a big app it's the kind of app that you know you can sit down and play around with and not figure everything out right at first um and it feels like you probably would benefit from sitting down and actually learning it and how can people go about that what kind of resources are out there for people to learn how to use the app effectively 
Yeah, so I, on my website, I do have a bit of documentation about the app. So kind of just a general introduction to the uh, the interface, what some of the pieces and icons mean that you might come across, um, how things are laid out, and stuff like that. Um, uh, but in addition to kind of just that, uh, oh, and the, um, some of the scripting uh, API for the JavaScript APIs there. But there are also tutorials on the site. So I, I made one myself that I, I still haven't got around making part two for. Uh, but it's a pretty good introduction to the, uh, the app. Uh, the, some folks over at the designers.how website kind of jumped on early and got some videos. Uh, some are free. Some you have to have be subscribed to their, uh, their site to, to view. But some, some, some really good, uh, free ones there as well. Uh, and, also, on my tutorials page, I have a link to, um, I don't I can't say, it's, it's, I think it's Emos Gamafi. Uh, he has, has a YouTube channel that has really great, um, actually, just very large amount of uh, tutorials uh, for Kite you know, that he, he's been making. So those are some good places to kind of, kind of start just from those video tutorials and the introduction documentation. It, it will take a while if you're not familiar. It's, if you're not familiar with core animation and, and just motion design apps in general, like the whole timeline and uh, how to construct layer hierarchies and stuff like that will take a bit. And, you know, why things pivot in a different area depending on their anchor point. And just knowing a lot about that, um, so a lot of these tutorials will help you get up to speed on how to do a lot of that. And, and then more the more advanced stuff as well, like, uh, animation on a path and how to, you know, draw paths and keyframes and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's, like you said, definitely something you can't learn all in just one sitting and you probably have to, you know, start small. And if you're, if you're not familiar, start small and, you know, make it just a simple square that moves across the screen and then make it move, you know, at a different timing curve duration and then, you know, branch out from there and start doing more and more advanced stuff. Cool. Sounds like you've actually got a lot of material for people to learn from. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm not the greatest uh, tutorial uh, maker myself. I learned that trying to do the, <laughs> the first one there. Um, I, you know, I wish I was better. You know, putting all that stuff together in, in a video form. But others are kind of jumping, jumping in to help me here. Where, uh, like, like some of the designers at House stuff and uh, well, Amos on YouTube. Well, I, I think you you know you've come up with a good app if other people take it upon themselves to make tutorials for it because that means people want to use it. Yeah, yeah, that that's, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Anything else we should talk about before we get to the picks? No, I don't. I, I did mention just briefly that there is an iOS app, so if, if you want to, you know, run a kite file, so you save your kite file, you can save to iCloud, and you could actually then the on the App Store you can get it for free. It's the uh, Kite Viewer application where you can download it and run your Kite file directly on your iPad or your iPhone, kind of see how it feels in your hand. But that, that is a cool um, cool way to test out your device or, or te- I mean, test out your animation uh, on the device itself. So, but yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, I guess that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize you had the iOS app. That's really cool. All right, well, then should we get to the picks? Want to automatically build, test, and release your iOS and macOS apps? Try App Center. Connect your repo within minutes, build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. 
Spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Visit appcenter.ms and get started for free. Uh, James, do you have any picks for us? All right. I've got one pick. So a friend of mine shared this article, and we had both watched the King of Kong movie years ago. It's I'm not sure how old it is, but it talks about a couple people, a couple guys that are or competing to get the highest Donkey Kong score, the old old video game from the 80s. It's a pretty entertaining movie. And since then, people have been like breaking that record over and over again. But recently, there's been a hint of fraud in the Donkey Kong high score world. One of the stars of that movie um, is was accused of faking his score. Um, he, like He did a recording with an emulator, and he said it was a certain version, but it was not quite the right version that he said it was. And there's a pretty cool article, so I'm going to I'm going to put some links to an article from Engadget and an article to on um, the Twin Galaxies forum where a person just goes into great detail, detail, um, just showing like how he thought this person's record score was faked, and it gets pretty deep into it. And I think people that listen to this podcast would appreciate the differences between different game emulators from the '80s. Um, so that's my pick. A couple blog posts. So check them out. Cool. That's going to inspire my pick, but I'm going to let Joe go first. Joe, do you have any picks for us? Okay. Yeah, I have a, a pretty good pick. It's uh, not surprisingly related to uh, coordination and kite and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's the website calayer.com. Uh, it has some great kind of in-depth articles about coordination and how it works kind of and how you can think about uh doing some of the designs and stuff like that in your own apps. Um, but just, it's a really good, uh, website that has a good bit of articles now that, um, uh, good, has good stuff. Uh, check that out. Cool. I didn't know about that. All right. I was struggling to come up with a pick and then, uh, James pick kind of reminded me of two things. So the first one is, um, actually a movie, uh, he mentioned the King of Kong, which um, is a is a movie about competitive Donkey Kong players, people who are trying to get the high score on Donkey Kong. And it's a really good movie. I really like it. Um, it actually premiered at the Slamdance Film Festival, which is kind of the the indie counterpart to Sundance now that Sundance has grown up and become sort of Hollywood. And at the very same time King of Kong was premiering at Slamdance, there was another movie premiering at Sundance called Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. And I saw the one at, at Sundance, Chasing Ghosts, and I really liked it. And uh, so, for some reason, King of Kong became by far the bigger, more famous movie. But I actually like Chasing Ghosts better. Um, so I'm going to pick that, Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. Similar documentary about competitive video game high score players. And it's the same, some of the same people that are in King of Kong, but it actually covers a lot more ground. It's not just about King Kong. It's about lots of different games and about the Twin Galaxies arcade and Ottumwa, Iowa. Um, anyway, cool. Check it out. My second pick is along those same lines. It's actually an emulator uh, for the Mac, and it's called Open Emu. And it's a it's an emulator. It's a app for the Mac that is an emulator, but it supports like tons and tons of different systems. Basically, every video game system you can think of, uh, Open Emu supports. And it's a it's a true Mac app, really well done. Um, not a cross platform thing or anything like that. And I think it's really cool. So those are my picks. I can tell you, I am definitely watching that movie, Chasing Ghosts. Is it about Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man? What is it about? Well, yeah, Chasing Ghosts is um, obviously a an um, allusion to Pac-Man, but I don't know. 
I can't remember for sure if they talk more about Miss Pac-Man high scores. I kind of think they do. Uh, and it's also all about the Twin Galaxies arcade, which is kind of an important arcade in the history of video game or arcade game high scores. And was on the cover of some magazine in the 80s, and they re- recreate the photo that was on the cover in the 80s with all the people now that they're grown up. And It's a fun movie to watch. Cool. I found a YouTube link. I'll put it in the show, no- show notes. All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, thanks for coming on, Joe. It was great to talk to you. And if, um, well, w- one, one last thing, if people want to get in touch with you or, you know, find out more about Kite Compositor, where should they go? Uh, yeah, so you can get in touch with me. I'm at J-R-H-O on Twitter, or you can go to uh, kiteapp.co uh, and visit and see Kite and download it and get the free trial a go uh, from there if you want to. Very cool. Okay. Thanks for talking to us and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks. See ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.